Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Apologies if you were expecting a January 1st episode. I actually had every bit of intention of doing one. It wasn't so much the hustle and bustle of the New Year's festivities as much as that little bit of cold that I said a couple of days ago I felt coming on. Well, it kind of got to me and didn't really have a chance to uh, or the energy to make an episode yesterday. But here we are, January 2nd, 2020. It is a happy new year. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for listening to Locked on Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. So a couple things to point out. Jeffrey Okuda is going pro. That's not a shock. There was some hope that maybe he would return. It was more just whether or not he wanted to go. As we all know, he's probably going to be the number one corner taken. But he is gone. Of course, J.K. Dobbins, we mentioned the other day, he's already declared he is gone as well. So now it comes down to the big decision still remaining with the caveat that Chase Young is probably gone. Sean Wade coming up on Saturday. I'll discuss what that means for Ohio State and, and will he go pro. Have some thoughts on that later. Also targeting, it's a mess in college football. A few thoughts at the top of the show here coming up in a minute on that. And the Ohio State offense, continuity, continuity, continuity. That's the phrase of the day. Ohio State appearing to hire Corey Dennis to replace Mike Yersich at the quarterback position. That is big for Justin Fields' development in Ohio State's offense and their prospect next year. I'll explain that coming up in the show as well. So we've got a lot to discuss today on Locked on Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of your favorite podcasting platforms, really. Be sure to tell a friend or family member. Spread the good word about Locked on Buckeyes. We're growing. Hope you will grow with us. If you're interested in advertising your business with us with a targeted demographic, please email me at LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com. So it's been an interesting week in college football. The Taking a keen eye on the bowl landscape, especially the Big Ten games, but not just Big Ten, all of the bowl games collectively. It's been an interesting viewing experience because it's kind of opened my eyes to the officiating. And I don't know that the officiating is always this bad. And and I don't know that it's any worse this particular time. Maybe we're just hypersensitive to noticing some of the flaws. But I got to say, after the game on Saturday... When discussing the targeting and especially the fumble, the scoop and score that was overturned and and ruled an incomplete pass, I I was especially concerned with the lack of understanding about the targeting rule specifically. We spent so much time on the overturn of what should have been an Ohio State touchdown defensively, but I thought the, the targeting call was almost as bad. I really do. If you've been following me on Twitter, you know that I'm I have been posting this rule, the explanation of the rule, the the intent, the interpretation. It is a bad call. And it kind of disturbed me at how many people, especially opposing fans that were messaging me, well, you, you know, that's obviously targeting. Anytime you go high on a quarterback like that, it's targeting. That's not the rule. I don't care what your perception is. I care about what the rule actually says. It was disturbing how many people did not understand the rule. But seeing college football this past week, I now can understand why there's such a bad 
misunderstanding of this rule because it's just flat out been abused. It's there has been no consistency this past week. If you follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8, you, you saw the thread that I posted with a bunch of different examples from within the last five or six days of targeting calls and non-calls of targeting in various games. And you see there is no consistency with the application of the rule. There, so I can't fault college football fans for not understanding targeting when it's not being applied or called consistently or correctly. So this is something I really think college football has to address. I I have no problem with the spirit of the targeting rule, but uh, while I don't think the way it's written is necessarily awful, it, it definitely needs change because it, it's not being applied unilaterally across college football and teams are being put at a disadvantage because it's not being called correctly all the time. You can't have one game where a team loses its best player on a ticky-tack call and then have another game where somebody can outright slam into somebody's helmet with their shoulder or the top of their helmet with, with no regard and, and not have any penalty. It's just not correct. It's not, it's not right to have varying applications of this rule. Anyway, uh, so that is my, my targeting gripe for the week. Uh, let's move on to more pressing matters with Ohio State because it was reported by Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports on Wednesday. And we mentioned this in the Lock on Buckeyes podcast the other day. So anybody that listens, this is not a surprise. Corey Dennis is in line to take over as quarterback's coach for Ohio State for the departed Mike Gersich, which is now the offensive coordinator at the University of Texas. I actually really think this is a good hire for Ohio State. I think for a couple of reasons, I know some people have uh, brought up comparisons to Nick Siciliano back in the Jim Trestle days. I don't think this is anything like this. But look, Corey Dennis, it's not just because he's the son-in-law of Urban Meyer that he's being hired here. He's a young coach. He's an energetic guy. He's somebody that is drawing rave reviews to those who've been around him. But it does something else for Ohio State that I think is really important and really critical for next year. It, it adds a level of consistency to the Ohio State offense. Continuity, I guess, is a better term to use. Continuity to the Ohio State offense. And with Dennis sliding in for Yersich, it's somebody that Justin Fields is already comfortable with. It's somebody that has experience within Ryan Day's system that clearly has the same philosophy to teaching and guiding quarterbacks. I think this is a really, really big deal for Ohio State next year because I think, especially early on, and I, I've hit on this, I'll talk about the Sean Wade decision. If Sean Wade leaves and Jeffrey Okuda has already decided and declared on New Year's Day that he is going pro, Ohio State will be very, very thin, very inexperienced, especially in the secondary. They've got a lot of new bodies and a lot of new faces coming in. There will be some old faces returning in that front seven, especially on the outside. Outside of Chase Young, they have a lot of guys coming back on the ends. Uh, they're going to have two linebackers back, but the, but the secondary is going to be very new. The defense as a whole, very inexperienced. So I think it's important for continuity and consistency with the offense. And I, I think Dennis sliding in at quarterback's coach for Yurcich is a really big deal. You've got a Heisman 
not just candidate, but a Heisman leader going into the next season in Justin Fields. Most of that offensive line will be returning. I've already said, don't get too concerned and caught up with how Master Teague finished the season. I think some of that has to do with injuries, being a little banged up. He showed a lot of promise early in there. He's got more explosion than I think he showed at the end of the season. I'm really high on Marcus Crowley. I know the injury late in the year is a concern. How will he bounce back from that knee injury? But I think Teague and Crowley and Jameer Gibbs, by the way, I'm really high on Jameer Gibbs. I know people are are concerned that Ohio State has not gotten their plan A running back. Bijan Robinson going to Texas, Jalen Knighton, after looking like he was going to wind up with the Buckeyes, is not going to be at Ohio State. Jameer Gibbs, though, is not a plan B, plan C type of recruit. He, In my opinion, he's got big play potential. He's somebody that could come in at Ohio State and make an instant impact. He is going to be visiting Ohio State later this month. We'll have more recruiting intel on him uh, throughout the next several weeks, but Ohio State will be getting a visit from him later this month. I think Ohio State is going to be fine at running back. I've said this so many times. Ohio State really has not landed a five-star running back in over 10 years, and they haven't landed too many in the entire history when you look at the recruiting rankings going back to the 90s uh, when they became prominent. So I don't worry too much for Ohio State about running back recruiting. Running backs are dime a dozen. There's not a big correlation, in fact, from top 100 running backs to top 100 NFL draft picks. There really is not a big correlation there. Uh, And I think it's just because development, uh, missing on on the the initial evaluation of a prospect. There are many reasons, but I, I don't worry about... It's not important, ultimately, if a guy is ranked third or ninth at his position at running back when he arrives on campus. What's really important is how he plays by the end of his career. That is what's going to be telling. Ohio State could land a Gibbs instead of a Robinson, and he could wind up being just as good. And that's really all that matters. And even if he's not necessarily just as good, there's not going to be a big difference, okay? Running backs are dime a dozen. That's why the NFL has changed their draft philosophy. It's why they don't put a lot of emphasis on drafting running back assets early in the draft anymore because it, there's just not a big difference. So I'm not worried about it. I think Ohio State, though, with most of its line returning, apparently, Justin Fields back, a ridiculous core of receivers. And by the way, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, Gee Scott, Julian Fleming, all these guys are showing out right now in the all-star practices. C.J. Stroud, you know how I feel about him. He's looking really good. There is plenty of skill coming into Ohio State offensively. They do not need necessarily a blue-chip running back. They just need really good running backs behind a really good offensive line, and they're going to be tough. The run game is going to be great next year. The pass game, as long as everybody stays healthy, that's always the, the major key. Ohio State's defense is going to be great. So Corey Dennis, the new quarterback's coach, I think this is a good level of continuity for the Buckeyes' offense going into next year. Coming up in the last segment, I'll talk about that Sean Wade decision when I think about it and how he could help Ohio State defensively and why I think there's a chance he could return.
we all know Ohio State's defense is losing a lot of talent this upcoming year. Uh, some of it early departures to the NFL draft, others just seniors. We know up front they're losing Hamilton, Cornell, Landers, but you don't worry too much about that because Ohio State is very, very deep. If they can get guys like Vincent and Jackson back into the mix, Tommy Tugiai, there is still plenty of talent up front. So you don't worry about the defensive line. They're losing Chase Young. You can't replace Chase Young, but Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, uh, Tyler Friday, the list goes on and on of talented defensive ends and pass rushers that Ohio State has in the program. So I look at the front seven of Ohio State, still very good next year. Not a lot of reason for, for concern. You always worry just a little bit about new faces, about inexperience, but the talent is definitely there. And the talent is there in the secondary too, but I'm not on board with the secondary just yet. I, I believe in Banks. I believe in Proctor. I believe in Brown. All of these guys, I think, have a bright future, but will it be next season? I just don't know. I'm a little bit more skeptical about next year with that secondary than some people are. I know some are like, well, the defense is going to keep on rolling. And that may be true. I may be wrong about this. I don't think it's going to be as good of a defense next year as it is this year. I still think it's going to be very good. But how good is that? Because there could be a fine line between a good defense and a championship caliber defense. Ohio State will have the benefit of that offense that we spoke about in the first segment. That could carry them early in the season. But some point or another, they will need the young guys to step up. Now, this piece of the puzzle could be aided on Saturday. We, we know Sean Wade will be making his decision. He'll, he'll be announcing his decision Saturday in his hometown of Jacksonville. A lot of people think because he's announcing in Jacksonville that it means, well, he's probably going pro because why would you announce that you're staying at Ohio State? But remember, Cardell Jones did the same thing. He announced he was staying at Ohio State. Mike Doss did that. Mike Doss, probably not the best example because Mike Doss did announce, or he set the announcement with the intention of going pro, and it was right before the ceremony. He changed his mind, had an emotional breakdown, decided he wasn't ready to leave. So the Mike Doss example probably isn't the best one. But every year in college football, we see a couple guys set announcements to announce they're returning to the school. So it's not, it's not necessarily an indication that Sean Wade is going pro. Now, I think a lot of people, myself included, assumed most of this season that Wade, because of the way he was playing, would probably decide to go pro after this year. But I will say this, there is some optimism that he could return, and I, and this would be the reason. He's projected as a late first round, second round, maybe third round type of guy right now. Him being the, the slot corner for Ohio State didn't allow him to showcase all of his abilities, okay? Jeffrey Okuda was tasked for Ohio State with defending the best receivers on the other teams that Ohio State played. By Wade returning this next season, he could slide into that alpha cover corner role where he gets to showcase himself against bigger and stronger wide receivers, okay? This allows him potentially to go from a late first round, maybe even second or third round pick to possibly being 
kind of like Okuda is right now. Okuda's projected to be the top cornerback taken in this year's draft, possibly a top 10 pick. If Wade can show up as the number one cover corner for Ohio State next year, showing up and showing out, he can slide into a top 10, top 15 pick. And that may not seem like a big deal, but that is a lot of money that he can afford himself by moving up into that middle upper tier of the first round. So there is some reason, if you look financially, for Sean Wade to make this move to return to Ohio State. It would be a big deal, I think, to allow him to move into the number one corner role with Banks and Brown and some of these other guys coming in. There's not as much pressure on those guys to perform right away. So if you're looking at this from a financial perspective, Sean Wade returning is not crazy. And sometimes guys just want to come back because they enjoy the experience, okay? That's part of it, too. It's not a bad decision if if this is what your heart wants. I don't know what Sean Wade has in his heart right now, but if he's enjoying the experience, if he's not ready to call it a day, then, hey, he should come back for that reason alone. But there is a financial perspective to this that I think makes sense for him to return. So if Wade does return to Ohio State, and again, I'm not ready to say it's going to happen, although I kind of have a gut feeling on that. It kind of feels like a possibility. But if he does, that's big for Ohio State. And if he doesn't, hey, not a shock. I don't don't think anybody will blame him. But that would be the biggest possible get, I think, for Ohio State's secondary this season as that they could possibly hope for. So Sean Wade announcing on Saturday, I don't know what the decision is going to be. Some think that he's gone. Others think that he's going to return. We'll see what happens, but there is some precedent here that he may return. So anyhow, we'll keep an eye more on that decision coming up later this week. That is Saturday. We'll obviously recap what he has to, uh, whatever he chooses this weekend. We'll recap that on the Monday Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Coming up tomorrow, we'll also preview the Ohio State-Wisconsin basketball game. Buckeyes trying to get back to their winning ways after that disappointing loss to West Virginia on Sunday. I know some of you were already a little bit feeling the blues from the weekend, so that game certainly didn't help matter. Some of you probably even brushed the game off, weren't in the mood. But we'll see what Ohio State does here, getting back into the swing of Big Ten things. We'll preview that tomorrow on the Lock on Buckeyes podcast. Make sure you tell a friend or family member, spread the good word about the Lock on Buckeyes podcast, your generally daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. We're on most of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked on Buckeye. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Enjoy your day, everybody.